You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. My name is Jake Hotchkiss. I'm an associate pastor here at Schweitzer's. Welcome. Uh, I, haven't, I don't think I've preached today 20 in a while, so I'm just really grateful to be here and see your guys' faces. This morning, uh, we are kind of in the middle of a series called Faith Questions, and we're just tackling some real uh, important basics of the Christian faith. The question for this morning is, is Jesus really the only way? Ah! <laughs> What's that called? A spoiler alert. Yes, right? Uh, in other words, do Christians have sole claim to that place called heaven? Do Christians have sole claim to that reality called salvation? Now, this raises some uh, difficult questions. What about those people who've never heard the name of Jesus? What about, all, what about all those really good people who were raised in very different cultures, who just uh, happen to genuinely believe in a different religion? Are we saying that Christians who believe the right things are better in the sight of God than people who are more spiritual and frankly more good, but just who happen to believe something different? What are the implications of saying that Jesus is the only way? We're going to sort this out this morning by looking at uh, uh, famous passage from which this doctrine comes, um, and it is John chapter 14. And uh, before we do, I'll just give you a brief uh, review of kind of where they're at. They've just eaten their last dinner, last supper with Jesus, so he's with his disciples. And um, uh, Jesus is telling them that uh, he's, he's leaving them. He's preparing them for his departure, and he says, where I am going, you cannot come right now, but you will follow me afterwards. And the text tells us that they are troubled by this. Their hearts are troubled that their Lord is telling them that he is leaving. So here we are, verse 1, and Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, I want to pause there for a second. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, um, when my wife sends me to the grocery store with a shopping list, um, her heart is often, if not usually, somewhat troubled. Okay. Uh, I don't have the best track record in the world of, of getting exactly what was on the list. I always find some way to mess it up. So when I look in her eyes and I say, Kayla, believe in me. Believe in me. Here's what I'm trying to communicate to her. I'm focused today. I am on the ball I am capable, I am competent, you can trust in me that I will make good on my word, okay? I'm appealing to, to our relationship, even though my track record isn't that great. That, that's what I'm doing when I say believe in me. 
What I am not trying to communicate to her is to believe that I exist. Is to believe that I am her husband. Or to believe that I am a father, right? I'm, I'm appealing to my character, to our relationship, to her trust in me that I will make good on my word. And Jesus here, when he says, believe in me, have faith in me, that's what he's doing. He is not saying, believe that I exist. He is not saying, believe that I was the son of God or even that I just died for your sins. He's saying, believe in me, have a relationship with me. So as to trust that I will make good on my word. That's, that's the kind of faith that we're talking about this morning. Let's continue. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms, Jesus said. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Now, Jesus here is using some wedding imagery, or, or imagery of uh, his culture that day for marriages, right? If you don't know this, there was uh, a period of engagement for, for man and woman, uh, and when they got engaged, there was a year-long betrothal period. And what the guy, uh, what the man would do is he would leave his, uh, his bride-to-be for one year. He'd go back to his parents' house, right, which is where he lived and which is where she would live once they got married. And he would spend that year preparing a room for her, possibly building a new room onto the side of the house uh, for them to live there together. And then when the year was over, that engagement period was over, he would go back he would return to his bride, and they would get married, and he'd bring her back to his father's house. Right? So that's the imagery that Jesus is using. And so we'll read this um, again when he says, if it were not so, or sorry, in my father's house are many rooms. He's talking about the kingdom of God, but he's using this imagery of his father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I'm going there. I'm preparing a room for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will return, right? You are my bride. And I will take you back to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and get you and bring you with me to my Father's house, to the kingdom of God. Believe in me. Trust in me. Then he drops this line. He says, you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas says, we pick up in verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It makes sense with this metaphor, right? You can't go to your spouse's house unless you get married to the spouse. He is the way. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. So they still don't quite get it, right? Jesus is saying, I'm the way. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. And he says, just show us the Father. Would you just show us? And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. 
but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, one thing is clear here. Jesus speaks of his own unique identity. He is unique. He is different than any other human being that has ever lived, according to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is not only the way to the Father's house, he is one with the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. Jesus is God. Now, here's what I love about this. Is that the way isn't simply a road or a pathway. The way isn't simply a a lifestyle. The way isn't a religion or a belief system or a set of principles to live by. It's not a moral code. That's not the way. The way is a person. And to be on the way is to be in relationship with that one unique person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Is this a bold claim? You're darn right. It's a bold claim, and I don't apologize for it. Jesus is the only way. How do I know this? Because Jesus Christ himself has looked me in the eyes and said, go and tell those you love about me in all his raging glory. I've seen Jesus Christ, all right, multiple times. I tell you this because I'm in relationship with him, and the God, the living God, speaks to his children. I want to tell you about a story this last week. Just this last Monday, God's been moving in my, my life a little bit more recently than he has in the, in the recent past. On Monday, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm just, I'm doing, it's Monday morning, it's like 5.30, and I'm doing my, my usual morning prayers, and I hear this song come into my head. Uh, it's from Greece. Doom, 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 doom. I got chills. They're multiplying. You know that song, right? And, um, and so I just, and I hear that bass line. That's all I hear is this bass line. Over, and I just, you know, I mean, songs come in. If you know me well, you know, songs come into my head all the time. Like all, and I'm constantly singing random stuff. Or well, this song, I haven't thought or heard of this, or heard this song in, in, in so long. And it's just random, but I push it out. And I, for five minutes, I continue to pray. And it keeps coming back into my head. And it's like, what, what is going on here? Well, I'd, I had heard a story the week prior about God sometimes speaking to people in unique ways, sometimes through song. And I just thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is a thing. I mean, it was just like, it, it, it was playing loudly in my head. And it wasn't going away. It was so random. Um, so I decided to look up the lyrics. Now, um, I, I could not think of any of the words. I, did, I didn't know any of the words of this song. All I knew was the bass line. It was from Greece. I had to, so I Google it and I start searching and I said, oh yeah, that's a song. Now, I want to I wanna read to you the lyrics of this song you probably never thought of in a spiritual sense before. Um, it was like God was speaking directly to myself. I, I got chills, they're multiplying, and I'm losing control because the power you're supplying, it's electrifying. That's the beginning right here. So, and I got to say, I was just at a conference the, the week prior that I talked about last Sunday, and, and the Spirit of God has been, has been moving in me. I, do feel, I, f- I felt like I'm losing control. I'm giving more of myself to Him. I'm feeling empowered. I mean, this is right where I'm at. He says, my heart, he says, you better shape up because I need a man. These are the lyrics of a song from Greece. You better shape up because I need a man. And this is exactly where I'm at. I went through this whole season of repentance. I got some things I got to get in order. And this fatherly word from God that I've needed for so long to just say, Jake, get your act together. He says, and my heart is set on you. 
You better shape up. You better understand. To my heart, I must be true. You're the one that I want. You're the one that I want. Ho, 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 honey. You know that, right? Now, verse 2, it gets even crazier. If you know me for the last... Uh, for the last three or four weeks, I've been talking about, with those close to me, about how I need to get in touch with my emotions. I'm, I'm like kind of, I have trouble with that. I have trouble expressing my emotions, even to God. I've had, I've not, uh, prior to this week, had not cried in like, I mean, a long, 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 long time. And I've, I've, I've wanted to, like I've needed to, and I just can't. There's, there's something I've really been working on. Um, and so, so, listen to this. Verse 2, if you're filled with affection, you're too shy to convey. Meditate in my direction. Feel your way. You can't make this up. God is just telling, he's just like, Jake, you're doing what's right. Feel your way to me. Meditate in my direction. All right, I know you can, you're not getting there yet, but keep going what you're, doing what you're doing. You better shape up. I need a man, blah, blah, blah. And then there's this verse in here about uh, you better prove to me that my faith is justified. I'm not, I mean, I'm not kidding. This is, this is right here. God is speaking to me through a song in Greece that I didn't even know the lyrics to. God speaks. Jesus Christ is alive. And if you know him, if you're in a relationship with him, I'm telling you, he's, he's here. <laughs> he will speak to you. He will speak to you. He lives. And this, this just awesome, intimate, personal moment that I had with God, and that's just been carrying on all week, because I just, that song's been playing in my head all week, that was just a word for me, that wasn't even for you, you know, and it's not because I'm some, like, because I'm a preacher, or like, super anointed, or super whatever, I mean, it, it, this is the kind of relationship that God is inviting us into that is active and living and beautiful and personal and <laughs> intimate. That is good news. So let's go back to these questions that we had at the beginning. What about all those who hadn't heard of Jesus, who haven't heard of Jesus? Now when we ask this question, um, one of the first things that I think we need to consider um, for all those who just insist on the fact that we must uh, give our lives to Jesus in this life, um, is what about the Old Testament saints? What about all those faithful people in the Old Testament who faithfully followed God, who had no idea who Jesus was or what he would be or what he would do or whatever? What, what about them? Are they just burning in hell because they weren't fortunate enough for Jesus to... <laughs> To be there in their life? No. There's this verse in first, uh, a couple of verses in 1 Peter chapter 3 and chapter 4, um, where Peter, he writes about how Jesus actually preached the gospel to the dead, to spirits in prison, so that those who disobeyed while in the flesh might receive life in the spirit, right? That's part of the, the creed that we talk about where Jesus descended into hell after his death. And so it's kind of this like mysterious, we don't know exactly what, but there is, there is scripture that points to this reality that Jesus went and preached to dead souls, right? After this life, and he preached to them the gospel, he preached to them the good news. We got to consider this. Here's something else to consider. Um, C.S. Lewis, I love uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, actually, I've never read the Chronicles of Narnia, but I know about it, and I think it's awesome. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's almost like it's like I've studied it in ways at times and used it for metaphor and stuff, but I've never read it. It's kind of it's like what a lot of us do with the Bible. Um, and 
<laughs> but I read the Bible. Uh, so anyway, so the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't even know what book this is in. Maybe it's one of the last books of the series, I believe. And there's a conversation between Aslan, which is the lion. Who, he's metaphorically the Jesus of the story. Um, and he's having a conversation with Etham, is that right? Etham, Etham, something like that. And Etham is, is someone who served Tash, which was the, um, the king of the opposing army, right? So this is a soldier of a defeated army who's wandering into Aslan's territory, and he comes face to face with this mighty lion. And these are the words of Etham. He says, then I fell at his feet and thought, surely this is the hour of death. For the lion, who is worthy of all honor, will know that I have served Tash all my days and not him. But the glorious one bent down his golden head and touched my forehead with his tongue and said, Son, you are welcome. But I said, Alas, Lord, I am no son of yours, but the servant of Tash. And he answered, Child, all the service you have done to Tash, I account as service done to me. Then by reasons of my great desire for wisdom and understanding, I overcame my fear and I questioned the glorious one. And I said, Lord, is it then true as the ape said that you and Tash are one? The lion growled so that the earth shook, but his wrath was not against me and said, it is false. Not because he and I are one, but because we are opposites. I take to me the services which you have done to him. For I and he are of such different kinds that no service which is vile can be done to me, and none which is not vile can be done to him. Therefore, if any man swear by Tash and keep his oath for the oath's sake, it is by me that he has truly sworn, though he know it not. And it is I who reward him. If any man does a cruelty in my name then, <clears throat> though he says the name Aslan, it is Tash whom he serves, and by Tash his deed is accepted." Do you understand, child? And I said, Lord, you know how much I understand. But I said also, yet I have been seeking Tash all my days. And beloved, said the glorious one, unless your desire had been for me, you would not have sought so long and so truly. For all find what they truly seek. Now, I believe as did C.S. Lewis, and as have many other great theologians throughout the history of the church, um, that at some point after this life is over, every one of us will come face to face with our maker, with Jesus Christ. I believe there will be some in that moment who called themselves Christians their whole life, but who never really had a relationship with him that will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I believe there will be others who never heard of the name Jesus, who never heard of these people called Christians, but who upon meeting him face to face realized that he was the one, the way, the truth, and the life they had been seeking all along, and they will enter. And at the end of the day, what we've got to know is there is a just and merciful God who will sort all of these things out. And we don't have to know. We don't have to know. But we also need not be ashamed to say that Jesus is the only way. You know what else I believe, though? <laughs> is that we don't have to wait until that day, after this life, to come face to face with Jesus, to enter into the reality, the realm, the life of the kingdom 
of God. We do not have to wait. And I want to ask you something. Does your heart break for those who don't know him yet in this life? Does your heart break for those you know who don't know him yet in this life? What is your role? What is our role in leading others to Jesus Christ in this life? And not just saying, oh yeah, God will sort that out, but what is your role? in bringing others to Jesus Christ. I want to say something right now. Um, and I'm going to say it, and it, it might hurt a little bit. It hurts me a little bit. But it must begin with you. And if you want to know why people around you aren't being transformed, it's very likely because you aren't being transformed. If you want to know why people around you aren't coming alive in Jesus Christ. The question to ask yourself is, have you come alive in Jesus Christ? How dare we pray for revival out there before experiencing it in here? So here's my last question. Are you on the way? Are you in the life in the light of Jesus Christ. There's more to life than what you can see and what you can feel, and if you want to know more about it, Jesus invites you today to receive this incredible gift. Whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, it does not matter. As we close out here in worship, there's two things I want you to consider. One, are you on the way? Really, are you on the way? Are you being transformed? Do you have a personal relationship with the living God who you walk and talk with daily? And if not, and if you want that, then in this time of worship, sometimes we gotta respond physically. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do um, is just to come forward to the prayer rails and just, just pray, just spend that time with God. And, and maybe you don't need that, that's okay, but if you do, sometimes that's what it takes, the response of faith, just to get up and move and come to the prayer rails and do that in this time of closing worship. Otherwise, maybe you're alive in Christ and <laughs> you got no, no beef between you and him, but there are people around you and your heart is breaking for those who do not yet know Christ and you don't know what to do about it and so your physical response then is to go to the prayer wall to write their name down and you put it in the wall. And then spend some time with the Lord crying about what he's crying about. Begging him to intercede. Begging him to revive you so that you might be an agent of revival in the world around you. That's all I've got. So let's, let's spend a moment in prayer and then continue in worship.